Hello and welcome to another episode of the <clears throat> podcast for the recently deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. I am Rodney Godag. What's up, brother? Oh, not too much, Rod. You know, I had a stressful week. We were just kind of talking about it, and you know, <sighs> I hate stressful weeks. And what I love most mm-hmm. about them is watching a a good horror movie and just kind of, you know, letting go. You know, you let go. You you put <laughs> you put all your pain and sorrow into the into the victims mm-hmm. and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and suddenly your your small worries and woes and concerns are That's are right. less are lighter and yes. easier to carry because of the burdens that they have uh have carried yes. in your stead. And I yeah, would, that's I the would, beauty of it. Yes, I would say though unfortunately in this case um this movie is just gut-wrenching. Like you know, yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't great. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna call it, you know, average to good. But like, it tears at your soul the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, before we get started, uh, for anyone who's new to the podcast, um, we do quick little reviews, um, <clears throat> give you our score uh, that mm-hmm. are spoiler free. And then we let the spoiling begin and go into a deeper dive discussion. And today we'll be doing Speak No Evil, uh, written and directed by Christian Teftrup, who has a, um, a long career in TV and film in, I believe, uh, uh, Danish and or Dutch uh, cinema, as they call it. Um, and today, um, Rod is going to kick it off. <coughs> with uh with his review of Speak No Evil. All right, here we go. Where are all the good men dead in the heart or in the head? Christian Taftrup's third feature-length directorial film covering with his brother Mads, taking Shudder by storm of sorts. Led by the very strong performances of his cast, this cautionary tale begins unassumingly as we follow a Danish family visiting a newly befriended couple in their Dutch home. Social transgressions and misgivings begin to dismantle the holiday retreat as intention and interpretation weave a web of dread that blankets the viewer in discomfort. And thus, a choice is given. As a viewer, your experience of the film will depend upon your willingness to watch with your brain or with your heart. With your brain, the experience of the film will be filled with eye rolls and maybe even shouting at the screen, pleading with our protagonists to advocate for themselves even in the slightest bit questioning every decision and injection, injecting your own, I would have into every scenario. The conclusion will lead you to preposterous heights of unsatisfaction upon the film's end. However, with your heart, you'll be lulled into a menace of a film that oozes with unsettling interactions, filling you with despair as you wonder what could have been had only our leads done something different. You'll rationalize the why of every decision and understand what leads them to their fate. And while you will not feel good about it, uh, and you will not feel good about it, but you will accept it as the emotional wreckage lay strewn about you. Speak No Evil is a wonderfully made film that benefits from its foreignness, aiding to the peculiarity of the situations it presents. Artfully told, albeit unrealistic, the viewers with more willingness to experience something are better off while the cynics restrict their enjoyment and leave empty-handed. All right. Uh, yeah, excellently put. Um, uh, do you want to give your number? Uh, I rate Speak No Evil uh, a 7 out of 10. 
seven out of ten. For me, the overall potential enjoyment that can be there can outweigh the pitfalls of taking it too literally and injecting yourself of how you know you would feel or you would be in this situation. All right. Well, that's great. I'm so glad you um, watched the movie with your heart because I watched it with my head. <laughs> All right. Uh, I didn't write anything nice, so I'm going to kind of go off the cuff here. Um, so I would definitely say this movie was a thriller. Um, it was very good, beautifully shot, incredibly acted. Um, once again, you never know if that's just because it's a foreign film, except I think in this case, because they're mostly speaking English. Um, you know, they do mm-hmm. go through a couple of different languages and sometimes it's subtitled, sometimes it's not. Once right. again, when it's not, they're speaking a language that the protagonists don't speak. So that's uh, kind of fun. Leaves the viewer in the dark. Um, I would say that, yes, they make some unbelievable choices. Uh, you could even call some moments of this film cringeworthy, um, where these people are just unrealistically um, making decisions um, to tell the story. So it's, it's, it's purposeful, and the story is impacting. Um, and the conclusion, although, once again, also kind of ridiculous, like it makes sense, and it, and it, is, a, and it is a great ending to the story. Um, but it is very hard uh, to believe. Maybe just because we're American. I don't know. I just I just couldn't get into the shoes of the protagonists um, as much as I enjoyed the ride. Um, that being said, I give Speak No Evil a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I was considering that you might have been left at a 5. I think that what it comes down to is, you know, as I was reflecting on it, it's sort of unfair to put this weight on it that it has to be so believable in a, in a way, because, you know, we don't do the same kind of thing with, with other films like, you know, uh, fantasies or science fiction, Uh, even right. Yeah. Like, like, why has no one called the police yet? (laughs) Like we let a lot of things go. Yeah. Um, and I think with a film like this, part of our brain, it's, it's nagging at us and it's difficult to, because we think it would be different. And so for me, I think why I lean towards a seven is that I think that the, the filmmaker is intentionally trying to be artful in sort of making a, like a, a fable of sorts, an allegory, like it's somewhat preposterous, but you know, yeah. what if, and it's, yeah. this is just about the feelings and this is what niceness gets you, or this is what not advocating or having no agency right. in what happens to you does. And also the fear um, I, I listened to a small interview, you know, he's expressing as a father, as a husband, um, if you're faced with evil, what would you actually do? Would you have the wherewithal or the courage or the, the gut to fight back in the way that you would need to, to, uh, to right. save yourself from that situation? And he was wrestling with that and wanted to kind of put it out there. So sure. So I feel much warmer about it, even after watching it and then reading a little bit more about how he felt and why he made what he did. So should we get into it then? Or yeah. Do you have anything else you want to uh, put at the top? No, I think uh, we should, we can move on. Let, uh, let the spoiling begin. Um, we, uh, okay. So 
let's talk about the good first. Let's talk about the good. Um, sure. So, you know, everybody does a great job in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the, the villain, um, the main villain, which we'll say is the husband. Um, yeah, right, so Patrick. We have our, we, yeah, Patrick. We have our protagonist couple and our antagonist couple. Um, it's uh, Bjorn and Luis and uh, Patrick and Karen. And Patrick, um, when he, his like, his like mood swings are like a light switch, right? Like he's just, everybody's just having a good time. And then all of a sudden Patrick has this outburst of anger. And then he comes like right back to like, like it wasn't even, like it was no thing. Um, and even when it is a thing, especially mainly for Louise, uh, or Louise, she comes in with, you know, uh, you know, he's, his attitude is really bothering me. His behavior is really upsetting, you know, um, and, you know, yeah, he seems so measured with how he's interacting with them. Like he knows he's in, like, it, it doesn't seem like he's losing his cool so much as he's intentionally coming to here and then going to here or going over there or going over there. And it's so measured and intentful. It's very disturbing and off-putting because, you know, when you're in certain situations and you're talking a certain way, like, you know, your blood pressure and you're, you're going, you're feeling this kind of thing. And it's hard to stay uh, even yeah. with the way that you intend to be, you know, there's usually there's like a, the facade breaks and there's like an, a, a human moment where you're like gathering yourself to then do something. And with him, it doesn't, it's not there. It's this way. And then this way. And it's just measured the whole time through. He's excellent uh, at delivering that kind of uh, yeah. performance. <clears throat> and, and Karen, um, you know, her role in, in this is to, to be and stay playful through it all. Right. We never see uh, Karen even like even frown. Um, she's even laughing yeah. and smiling when Patrick is is, you know, showing a little bit of his madness. Um, and and that's kind of her job. And when you think about it as as being all, all being purposeful to manipulate Bjorn and, and Louise into um, this state where they are still somehow comfortable with these two. Uh, you know, they met on a, on a vacation and now they're vacationing mm-hmm. at their home. <clears throat> and, you know, there's just enough, just enough bad to give them a little pause, but because he keeps coming back and Karen is just so carefree about it, um, I think that is what is keeping them there like through the whole thing. And and also like you said, it's kind of like a modern fairy tale in that it's saying, you know, beware th- you know, this behavior. Beware not the behavior of the antagonist, beware this behavior in yourself. Uh don't yeah. don't be t- appeasing. Don't be a people pleaser. Stand up for yourself. If you have an emotion, a feeling, don't swallow it for the sake of politeness. Right? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because it made me think a lot about uh, fight or flight, you know, and so, you know, uh, uh, the Amgala and the frontal lobe sort of have this thing where, you you know, emotionally, there's chemicals and things that are that are telling your body to fight or flight. And that happens historically, you know, uh, as a human race due to nature and beasts and everything hunting us down. So we needed to have that kind of thing that said, I can fight back and make this happen, or I need to flee the situation. And 
to protect the species. Um, but now what's happened is that uh, that response is triggered just through other stimuli that used to be external physical factors. Now it's uh, stress uh, and, and social interactions with other human beings in other situations. And so uh, there's all these flags going thrown up in certain situations where you feel attacked in a different kind of way and you have that same response and your frontal lobe is there to say, you can be measured here. You don't need to run or fight this person. You need to now confront that, but handle it stably and, and through conversation and other ways. You can't react the way that cavemen could. <laughs> so yeah. this film, to me, talks a lot about that, but in the way where what you were just saying, this, this need to be socially... PC or whatever, for lack of a better word, like uh, amicable and not alarm bells. Like yeah. you don't want to be rude. You yeah. know, you don't want to put someone off by reacting poorly to them. Just, you know, being whatever, like you don't want to be the jerk. Like this is your body is trying to tell you something, but your social awareness and understanding is saying, no, it's it, you're, you're um, explaining away actual red flags. Right. And this film is just going to do this repeatedly and repeatedly. And I think that that's what you said. Yeah. There's a good commentary there, the allegory of the fable of, you know, don't, don't become this person, like, listen to yourself, right. do take the social cues and extract yourself from these situations. It's not always, um, you know, it's, it's innocuous and it's a bad thing. So I, I like that aspect of it. I think that's also a strong thing that that's always there and that that's like, you're questioning it because there's so many things like you could see it both ways. Like, yeah, it could have been fine. Like Patrick and, um, Karen, do explain away a lot of the things that come up as issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can kind of see it, but there's so much there where it's like, no, this is just a hard no. Yeah. Leave, run, get out. Well, but the other thing that explains it for me, when I, you know, I'm more willing to feel, to watch it with my heart, uh, is that they do a good job with Bjorn as being presented in a very delicate state. Yes. There's it starts early on when they're at the original vacation. Uh, it's not as if they're going over the top, he's a beta cuckold husband, yeah. but it has those vibes and those tones. He's right. shown in an inferior or sensitive state early on and through the m movie where yeah. he has weakness and insecurities where he's not at his primal top right. person right now, yeah, that needs to be that he needs to be to to match this uh this aggressor to, to and so like you know he, he's and, crying at the thing they're yeah. singing you know and, well, and then he breaks down and has them like hey he's questioning his life it just seems yeah. so ordinary and boring he's depressed yeah and, and i think that, that i'm glad that the film does that because it makes it you're more willing to suspend disbelief when you're like i would never let that happen like think about when you've been down and then someone says something shitty to you you don't fight back you just take it because you don't have the energy or the wherewithal to stand up for yourself because you're like, yeah, I am a piece of shit. Fuck, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's no, that kind no, of feeling. Uh, and yeah, they, they definitely so works. Yeah. They definitely put Louise in the position of power over Bjorn, um, through the, the, through the whole movie. Um, and, and yeah, and Patrick, Patrick owns it. Patrick owns Bjorn, especially when he takes him out to the, to the, the, the pool. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they they have their primal screaming moment where yeah. Patrick's like, "Come, let's do this. This will help." You know, their Garden State moment. <laughs> yeah, their Garden State moment. Um, 
so so you know Bjorn, even though because because Louise is the one who has is is the one complaining. Yeah, whenever it's, they have right? the conversation, Louise is the one willing to speak up and say, yeah. yeah, actually you're kind of a dick for forcing me to eat meat so much. Yeah, that and, wasn't cool. Right, and, and you Bjorn, yes, <laughs> drinking and driving, all so, these things. Like she's speaking up, and Bjorn's just like. Uh, I guess everything was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry my wife didn't like whatever, you know, like not not like right. not like defending her for himself, like you can't talk to my wife that way, which is what he should be saying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he's like my well, my wife doesn't really like it here and we have to go. <laughs> I so they they leave the house twice, right? Like they leave and come back and then they leave. Yeah, the first and come time back. they left in the Yeah. <laughs> crazy well but yeah but the second time it was sort of like the the jig was up at that point oh yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think so but i think the way it's built it is good and i do like the the conclusion in being not positive and it being a cautionary tale that ends in sadness and oh yeah a terrible ending. right so Ugh, yeah you don't feel right. good at all so, so let's run let's run the audience for the climax here so this uh this antagonist couple patrick and karen have uh have a mute boy named abel um, who has had his tongue removed? Uh, Patrick explains it as a. Uh, it's a birth defect. A yeah. birth defect. Birth born without a tongue. Um, and then uh, Bjorn and Louis Luis have Agnes. Um, so daughter, yeah. yeah. So as Bjorn uh, Bjorn figures it out first, uh, he he wanders into the garage and he he finds this room of photos, family photos. And he finds his family photo there, and he finds another family photo that has little Abel. And the parents are not these two. So at that point, he's like, oh, fuck, we got to get out of here. It's too late. He gets back to the house. Abel's dead face down in a pool. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're like, oh, shit. Okay, well, now now they're after the family. Uh, what's going to happen? Um, no. They get in the car. They go. um out of gas. Out of gas. For a couple miles. Yep, out of gas. Um, so they they take. He leaves the car to go to a to go to another house to get for help. Right. When he comes back, they're gone. They're gone. And Patrick and Louise are there, and they're in the car, and they're making up an excuse to still keep the wife and the daughter, Louise and Agnes, in the yeah. dark. And they, he tells them, "Get in the car. We're yeah. going back." Yeah. Uh, and so they have to go back. Yep. Uh, so what we have is, um, you know, a van shows up with a random third person, um, and they grab Agnes, and they've got this little, looks like an eyelash curler, and it clips her tongue right off, and uh, and then uh, she gets taken in the van and driven off, and then yeah. B- Bjorn and Luis are are standing there, scared in the dark. You know, Patrick makes him strip and walk. And this is the same spot that they had the primal scream. This is with the pool of water. Mm-hmm. And, and they walk away, and then um, Patrick and Karen just stone them to death with these big rocks. Yeah. And then they don't hide the bodies. You know, it's just like the... It shows the time mm-hmm. pass to, like, the next day, and they're, they're there out in the sun. And then um, Patrick and Karen are driving with Agnes in the back seat, and they they drive to Bjorn and Louise's house and now they're going to do this thing all over again with this new child that is now born without a tongue. Um and so yeah, you get you get that that super down ending, the the Stephen mm-hmm. King ending if you will. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of imagery uh, in, you know, the son being named Abel, the stoning. There's a lot of like referential or homage to biblical events. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's tragic, you know, and a lot of people that are willing to go down the path of just watching it without questioning uh, and the disbelief and just letting it go. Like it's, it's very uh, impactful. And a lot of people were moved and this is still a very highly rated uh, critically yeah. uh, film, but the audiences for the most part are very mixed and in the middle, very neutral yeah. with it to where you got an even mix of good and bad because maybe they're, it's, you know, it's less, you're not going to have someone looking at it to, to view it critically. These are just yeah. general reactions. So yeah, I I think overall it's about a six point five, which is yeah, I mean between you and me, kind of right where it landed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what are some of the big bad things? So that is a good thing. Like yeah. those are the good things about the film. The, so the yeah, it, the, the it is a good ride, yeah. and it is heart wrenching. I will never watch it again. Right, I, I won't. But watch I'm, it again. <laughs> but I'm glad to have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It was all good, right. So, it was a good so, bad experience. <laughs> so the bad things. I mean, all right. I he says, um, Patrick says, uh, I got to show you my pool. And now, there's a couple things about that. First, Abel was dead face down in this in this pool, but it wasn't really a pool. It was more like a hot tub or something. It was it was not yeah, a big, was, or maybe it was like a koi pond. It was like a decorative, like two feet of water. I don't, I no, can't really no, tell. It was like what one of those. It was like one of those bullshit in-text ones where it's yeah. got like the walls. And you have to have the the angled brackets to to. It's like a inflatable tub for adults, more or less. Right. And I think and, they use it. Yeah, as with a heater even. And then you got the the little pool surrounded by rocks with the big wall, which is where they did the primal scream and also where the movie ended. But then they didn't like they didn't like drag the bodies into the water to like hide them or anything. I know you don't about... see it, but so you that could believe weird. that that's what they did. I know, I know, I know. But I'll probably show it to us since he real he said I should show you my pool. Now this is what I think he meant. Um, for no reason in the last scene. Um, is it? It's Patrick, I believe, is swimming in Bjorn and Louise's pool at their house. It's like one of the mm. last pan- frames before it goes. So I think it cuts to Agnes just like sitting there looking sad in silence, and that yeah. and that's when we get the credits. Yeah, I think Patrick was talking about Bjorn's own pool to Bjorn, <laughs> uh, a little foreshadowing uh, because I we see. know Bjorn has a pool from before they went on this vacation and we know that Patrick doesn't have a pool because we never see them swimming. Anyway, I, I thought that was a cool twist, but also like not very uh, obvious. I don't know. Possibly. I Possibly. don't know if that's all there, but yeah. either way. Maybe I'm just reading too much into mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Uh, Possibly. Maybe you're just looking to find more to to wait to it because it's, is light in some kind of ways and you it want just, to have more connection for more meaning. You it know? just felt like, it just felt like when he said that line that it was actually important and, and that I, well, that, yeah, but I mean, I think it also it, could just be that, you know, he wanted to say he had a pool cause this was like early on when they first got there or something. Right. And so maybe he just wanted to, it's just like the same idea with when he says he's a doctor Yeah. Uh, that he wants to present himself as you can trust me. I'm very well off. Things are fine. Yeah. And so if you say you have a pool, if you say you're a doctor, people are like, I can, I'm more comfortable. Right, a doctor right. with a pool would never do anything wrong. And then you yeah. find out, yeah, the pool is actually a, a, sh- a shitty little garage inflatable thing that is not really much of a pool. It's sort of a, yeah. a, a kiddie pool. You know, it's a, it's a bathtub type thing. It's a sure. pond. 
whatever. I mean, it is a real quote unquote pool. Uh, it's just more like a spa, I would say, or a hot tub type situation sure. at any rate. So, uh, gosh, yeah. I mean, it's the, you do not go back for that fucking rabbit. No. For me, that's where it was like, no. No. I will listen to that kid. After seeing the, my kid get taken into their bed nude and I'm already in the car, I'm not going back for not that fucking going back. animal. Yeah, you don't go back for the rabbit. Um, and then you find out the rabbit was under the seat the whole fucking time. Oh, yeah. You don't look through the car thoroughly before going back. Before going back, yeah. Come yeah. on, guys. Like, the, so, I'm just saying, so, if you want to be negative and you want to pull yeah, yourself out, that's yeah. that's another huge thing. Yeah. So for so for me, it comes down to like the bad stuff is like the that decision. Um, her even eating the meat in the be, in the beginning, like she's a vegetarian, yeah. like throw that shit in his face, leave right there, like start an argument. I don't know. Um, uh, the the ending the 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 strip and they strip and then and the stoning i get i get that this is where is this is where that like the point of the story culminates and you and you kind of have to do it this way to to tell your story but it's like they didn't run they didn't fight um and yeah. and I'll, and and i'll tell you like like they didn't well, they're even, so they, beaten and you know but, they're, they're thinking is like that they're so beaten and broken. Their their daughter was just stolen from them. And, when she was taken, they didn't fight. They didn't fight. I, I and know get, they and get, didn't like and get beaten down. Like if they fought and got beaten well, and that's down, the thing. Yes, I know, and that's what's so frustrating because like you know, eh, there's no gun, there's no knife. Yeah, like it's just this pure just force the of will from cutting the tongue out. Yeah, and the and Karen is holding the scissors the whole time. So, uh, like, yeah. you just, well, why is Bjorn not attacking Karen? I know. I, yeah, it, those are, they're all fair, and obviously a lot of people feel that way. I know I've seen many people that are mixed, where it's just yeah. like, it's too preposterous. You cannot tell me that this is realistic. But, you know, until you're in a situation like that, you, you kind of don't know. You want to yeah. say that. You would like to say, like, yeah, it's fucking crazy, but yeah. maybe it's not. Well, I mean, there's a moment where you realize that you're going to die if you sit there and do nothing and you I might know, yeah. and you might die if you fight back so why why not fight so but you'll definitely die if you just don't do anything right yeah yeah uh the 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 room with all of the trophy photographs and polaroids on the wall like yeah. okay like that's very tropey very unrealistic serial killer behavior right that everyone seems to think that they do <laughs> they're gonna go back there and grab all those photos and bring them to the new house because the because their pattern is to yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah to continue to to to, to, live keep, to take the new, the new house so if they take the new house they yeah. got to bring those photos that doesn't make any sense come yeah. on maybe a scrapbook uh, <laughs> yeah something to to hide it in um but yeah I mean there's obviously ways to to watch it and to experience that that will take you out of it um but it is, it doesn't take away from the fact that they're the leads are performing the role very well it is shot very well uh it aids because like i said in the, the review like it being foreign i think adds to the allure of this uncomfortable environment that we sure. are in you know yeah when they go to we the, really when they go to the roadhouse for dinner they go to the roadhouse for dinner right that's, that scene was very not american <laughs> it was very very european right. like like watching that scene is very like okay okay yeah i guess i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he tricks them into paying for dinner, which is also 
And then the car ride home, he's drunk and he's, he's blasting drunk, music, blasting and the wife music. does one too, and he's he's still fucking with her the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of difficult scenes and stuff. And and uh, and yeah, like very cringeworthy, and it's like, it's like, Bjorn, Bjorn, Bjorn is the one who I know. Who, who this falls on because, you know, you, you can you say like you don't talk to my wife that way, like you don't you don't even, there's not even an argument, you just say that. Like that's just the thing that yeah. you say, right? Like, the, let alone like shoving meat in yeah. their face and cranking up the yeah. music, you know, like fucking uh, Will Smith gets it. <laughs> yeah, Will Smith gets it. Like, like <laughs> wrong venue, Will Smith. But if Chris Rock made that joke outside, uh, you know, on the street, yeah, you slap the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. That's why they, it couldn't have been, you know, Will and Jada in this movie. It had to be Bjorn and Louise. That's right. That's right. It, was, it would it was have been still, a different story for Patrick too, and Karen. Still too soon. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> if Will Smith played Bjorn, Patrick would yeah. There wouldn't have been a, a movie. It would have been 30 minutes yeah. long. Welcome <laughs> to Earth. Would have been an episode of Fresh Prince. All right. <laughs> Did you want to read a couple of the review headlines? Uh yeah yeah why not uh let me get bring those back up over here um yeah we're getting back to the wrap up right. so yeah speaking of evil has an eighty three percent fresh on yeah it's, tomatoes it's with very the very critically. very fresh um and audience fifty nine percent fifty nine and on uh, IMDb it's a six point six um so yeah it it looks it looks pretty pretty above average I wouldn't call it great um but here we go this is this is some certified fresh critic um headlines uh a movie that will undoubtedly ruin your evening as intended <laughs> so so that so like even the people who like this movie really don't have anything good to say about it right like it's a it's a good movie but like uh speak no evil is incredibly effective a comedy of errors played with such intensity that it's almost difficult to sit through but its ending undoes some of that tension yeah, fair. Uh, yeah. Again, like the the way that things go through, it's sort of like no, you wouldn't just walk quietly into the your demise and then let yourself get stoned to death. All right. Yes. True. Okay. So here's a couple stinkers: a monotonous and underwhelming psychological thriller that has very little to say about evil or human nature. I completely disagree with this review. Um, yeah, that's not accurate. Yeah. It does very much communicate all these social graces and things that shouldn't be happening that happen because we want to be the nice guy or don't want to advocate for ourselves or for others like the yeah it's i think it does all of that very well all right here we go overall the film is reasonably scary and the acting is superb but the overall tone and outcome of the film leave much to be desired even when things go horribly wrong the lead-up should at least feel a little satisfying well again it's ultimately you know do you want a positive or do you want a negative outcome? Like, and I think that the the director uh, wanted from, I listened to this interview, you know, this kind of a film is not common in Danish uh, cinema. Right. They don't tell these kinds of stories. So sure. he wanted to tell a difficult story. And I think it ending not good for our protagonist is much more impactful than if they have a pleasant resolution and somehow get away and live yeah. to, uh, the rest of their days in peace. No, it's, it's true. That's it, not always realistic. Sometimes stories end in tragedy, and that's fair. No, 
it's very true if i if i put myself into a mindset where they got away i think this movie gets worse yeah yeah like I agree. like a 4 or a 3 like it becomes a pointless piece of garbage if they don't get caught and and lose and end it the way they did yeah i think for me the only what would have made it just so a bit more um willing to go along with everything that happened is just have more of a presence of a threat of disobedience. What would happen if there were disobedience, like have some sort of a weapon or some sort of a situation positioning of, of objects and such that there is no escape. You have to comply because if you tried to fight or escape, something would happen. Like, you know, have a, a different kind of weapon or something else there just to kind of keep it. I'm not saying shoot people, but I'm saying, have something else there other than just you know patrick says it why uh, bjorn asked him why are you doing this and he says because you let me because you let me yeah yeah i mean like that was a very like it's cold and like it's a little bit silly but i and you know and you get it but like have a little bit something else there to give them more agency as characters where they didn't have much choice yeah you know here we still think that they had choice and they just let it happen um but that was something else there it helps right i I know i mean that was the point okay uh, all right. Speak no evil. Um, I gave it a six. Yeah, I landed at a seven. And for episode nine of the podcast for the recently deceased, I'm Nate Roberts. I'm Rodney Godek. Take care. And we'll see you next week.